Right. Um, so this morning we're going to be looking at different types of prayer. And I know we've had a quite a few weeks of the prayer series. And if I think about it, there's so much more that we can discuss about prayer. Um, feels like we're running out of Sundays. Um, but yeah, this week and, and next week probably we'll look at different types of prayer. And I think it's important that we're aware of different types of prayer. Different types of prayer have different uses. And the first step to using different types of prayer, knowing how to use them and is knowing what they are. Amen. Okay, so if you turn in your Bibles or you have a look on the screen, Ephesians 6 verse 18, and I'm going to read it in a few different translations. It says, pray at all times, on every occasion and every season, in the spirit, with all manner of prayer. To that end, keep alert and watch with strong purpose and perseverance, interceding on behalf of all the saints. That's the Amplified. The NIV says, and pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. NI revised version says, at all times pray by the power of the Spirit, pray all kinds of prayers. REV says, pray with all kinds of prayers that are available for you to use. I think often in the church, the types of prayers we pray become confined to praying what we sing in our worship songs and praying petitionary types of prayer, which is, Lord, please can you, Lord, please can you. And there's so, so much more available to us as the body of Christ. The first type of prayer that I'm going to look at is the prayer of praise and worship. The prayer of praise and worship. And this is a prayer, whether it's set to music or whether it's not set to music, it doesn't actually matter. It doesn't matter so much what, um, what it sounds like in terms of the music or if it's just voices or if it's just my voice speaking. It's the content of what is covered that distinguishes it as prayer, as worship or praise and prayer. Amen. The content of what I'm saying or the content of what I'm singing our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Jesus prayed this prayer in the Lord's Prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. That's a prayer of worship, okay? And I've covered the, the meanings of these particular Hebrew and Greek words, and I'm going to cover them again this morning because it bears covering. In Isaiah 56, where Isaiah says, Even them I'll bring to my holy mountain and make them joyful in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and sacrifices will be accepted on my altar. For my house, and we looked at this I think last week or a number of weeks ago, will be called a house of prayer for all nations. That word prayer is tefillah, which means intercession, supplication. It also means a hymn. A hymn. Okay, that is the Hebrew meaning of that word prayer. The Greek meaning when Jesus is quoting Isaiah in Matthew 21 verse 13 and he says, my house shall be called a house of prayer, but you've made it a den of thieves. The Greek word that he chose there was prosuke, and it means prayer, worship, by implication, an oratory chapel. So something from our mouths, prayer, worship. So can you see that in the church we've separated what is said to music and what is prayed, but in the Bible, I don't see this distinction. So this prayer of praise or this prayer of worship, it allows us to express our love and devotion to God. It does not petition God, okay? It's a simple act of faith expressed in praise and 
worship to God. And I think it's beautiful to God. Psalm 104, uh, Psalm 100 verse 4 says, Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. So God has an address and that address is thanksgiving and praise. So this type of praying is actually really powerful. Do you remember what I did at the beginning of praise before we started singing? I quoted a psalm, okay? The psalm was an example of this. It was David from Psalm 145. David declaring praise to God. That is God's address. That is how we enter his presence. Some people say, well, I can't feel God's presence. And we start to worship. Well, did you praise God at the beginning? Yes. Well, he says that he will never leave you. His presence is there because he's in the midst of his presence of our praises. Amen. So the prayer of praise is really important. It's important for us to remember that in this prayer, we're not asking God to do something for us. We're not asking him to give something to us. We're not asking him for direction. We're not even dedicating our lives to him. We're praising him for who he is. And that's an important discipline for us to get into as believers. We come into prayer. We immediately start our shopping list of petitions but this is important this is his address giving him praise telling him how much we love and appreciate him i've got an example here in luke 20 luke 2 verse 20 when the shepherds had seen baby jesus it says then the shepherds returned glorifying and praising god for all the things they'd heard and seen as it was told told them now i don't know if they were singing it or if they were shouting it or if they were speaking it it doesn't say but i don't think it really matters it says that they were glorifying and praising god okay Another example was a blind man who was healed and it says immediately he received his sight in Luke 18 and followed Jesus glorifying God and all the people when they saw it gave praise to God. I think we need to get more of this in our lives and in our, in our corporate meetings where we give praise to God, where we glorify God. Yeah. That's Luke 18. Another example is Miriam and the Israelites in Exodus when God brought them through the Red Sea. And if you look in um, Exodus 15, I mean, there's a, whole, there's a whole song which is written out. And I don't know if they sang it or said it or was a mixture of say, singing and saying it, but that was a prayer of praise and worship to God. It says here, Then Moses and the children of Israel sang the song to the Lord and spoke, saying. So they sang and they spoke. They sang and they spoke. So don't worry if you can't sing, speak. Or as Pastor Mike says, make a joyful noise to the Lord. Okay? Sing your worship. Sing your, pra your praise. Say your praise. Say your worship. This is what Moses and the children of Israel sang and said. We will sing to the Lord for he's triumphed gloriously. The Lord is our strength and song and he's become our salvation. He is our God. We will praise him. And it carries on. Um, who is like you, O Lord, among the gods? Who is like you, glorious in holiness, fearful in praises, doing wonders? You stretched out your right hand and the earth swallowed them. You and your mercy have led forth the people you've redeemed. You've guided them. Then Miriam, the prophetess, the sister of Aaron, took the timbrel in her hand. And all the women went out after her with timbrels and dances. And Miriam said, sing to the, Miriam said, sing to the Lord for his triumph gloriously. Okay, these are some clues if you feel like... Like, you know what, Lord, I don't know what to say. What do I say? I don't even know what to sing. I don't have a song in my heart. How do I come and praise you? I don't really have the words. Well, we've got a whole Bible full of songs, full of praises, full of prayers that we can pray. Just look in Psalms, especially the last, you know, towards the ends of Psalms. So many prayers of praise or songs of praise and worship that we can use. 
Psalm 145, the psalm that I declared at the beginning of the service, that is an example of David using this prayer, prayer of praise, prayer of worship. This is really important. It's not only for the band. It's not only for the pastor. It's for every single one of us. Amen. The second type of prayer that I'm wanting to look at is the prayer of thanksgiving. This is linked to the first, right? This is linked to the first. Psalm 100 verse 4 says, Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Be thankful to him and bless his name. Thanksgiving is a powerful weapon of warfare. It's a powerful weapon of warfare. If you are depressed, if you feel heavy, this is a weapon right here for you to use. Begin to thank God as a discipline, even if you don't feel thankful, even if you don't feel grateful. Lord, I thank you and go through, count your blessings. Lord, I thank you for my husband. Lord, I thank you for my children. Lord, I thank you that you've provided for us this year. Lord, I thank you that I have a home, a home and a roof over my head. Lord, I thank you that I have a church where I'm fed word that is, you know, sound doctrine. Lord, I thank you for the income. Lord, I th begin to thank him. Thank him for the things that he's done. Lord, I thank you that you spoke to me last week. Father, I thank you that you delivered me. Lord, I thank you for what Jesus did on the cross. I thank you that you made a way that I can boldly enter the throne room. I thank you that I have forgiveness. Lord, I, like a discipline, I thank you. I thank you. And it says here that we enter his gates like that. That's how we enter his gates. Before we even come into his courts, we enter his gates with thanksgiving. If you're not thanking God, where are you? Where are you? Are you praying from way out here when you can come right into his courts? Philippians 4 verse 6 to 7 says, Be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication. Sorry? With thanksgiving, present your requests to God and the peace of God will, which surpasses understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. There I see a threefold court. I see prayer. I see supplication. I see thanksgiving. And then I see peace. I don't know if we always give thanks. When, the 70, when Jesus had sent out the 72 disciples and they returned, this is what Jesus says in Luke 10. Jesus rejoiced in the spirit and prayed a, a prayer of thanksgiving. I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and prudent and revealed them to babes. Jesus, again, when he raised Lazarus from the dead in John 11, they took the stone away from the place where the dead man was lying and Jesus lifted up his eyes and he says, Father, I thank you that you heard me. Jesus prayed this prayer. Jesus prayed this prayer. Paul, 1 Corinthians 1 verse 4, I thank my God always concerning you for the grace of God which was given to you by Christ Jesus. In a lot of Paul's prayers in his epistles, you go and look at his prayers uh, and his greetings. You'll see that he thanks God a lot. He thanks God for the people. He th there's a lot of thanking. David, Psalm 50 verse 14, sacrifice thank offerings to God. Sacrifice thank offerings to God. That means that sometimes it's an offering. Sometimes I don't feel like it. Sometimes I feel like just sitting. But I must get up and thank him. It's an offering. Those who sacrifice thank offerings honor me. That's what the Lord says. When was the last time you sat, you said, today I'm going to have a day of thanksgiving. Sometimes I do that. I like to do it on Mondays in particular. Today is my day of thanksgiving. I'm not going to ask the Lord for anything today. I'm going to honor him. I'm going to offer, I'm going to sacrifice thank offerings to honor him. Isn't that great? 
Okay, Psalm 56, I'm under vows to you, my God. I will present my thank offerings to you. Psalm 107, let them sacrifice thank offerings and tell of his works with songs of joy. Psalm 116, I will sacrifice a thank offering to you and call upon the name of the Lord. Are you getting the message? Let's remember to offer, uh, to sacrifice, what? To offer prayers of thanksgiving as our sacrifices before the Lord. Remember to put it in to our daily schedule. And we're talking about building a strategic prayer life. So all of these prayers, you can take and say, this is how I'm going to work them into my prayer life. So I'm practicing all of them as a discipline. Maybe you want to take one day a month and say, today is going to be my day where I sacrifice thank offerings to the Lord. I'm going to keep a record of everything that I have to say thank you for this month. Very powerful. So as we are sharing these tools, I don't want to just share you th- share these tools with you, these things with you, so that you can walk out of here and think, okay, I've arrived. I know you know, lots of different ways to pray. No, let's take these and say, Lord, these are weapons. How must I apply them in my life? Where must I use this? Where am I depressed? Where am I heavy? In fact, where is someone else depressed, someone else heavy, and I can do warfare over them by thanking you on their behalf? We can use these as weapons of warfare. Okay, the third type of prayer is declaration, the prayer of declaration or decrees. These are really important, uh, really powerful, especially as we've been given authority um, in the earth as believers. But I think so many, uh, many times, often, we don't utilize it. We tend to go to what is most easy, which is, Lord, we ask that you would heal. Lord, we ask that you would break through. Lord, we ask for peace. Lord, we ask, we petition and petition instead of coming and saying, Lord, I know that in the Lord's prayer, Jesus, you said, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. So I'm declaring in my marriage, Lord, your kingdom, I declare protection, I declare peace, I declare love over my children, I declare peace. No fighting. (laughs) I declare love, (laughs) okay? In my workplace, I'm taking authority in this place and I'm saying no other spirit but the spirit of God. No contrary spirits. No other agenda. Declaring things prophetically because when Jesus says your kingdom come, your will be done, that is not a petition. That is a declaration. That is a decree. And God gave us authority over the earth. In Genesis, when he gives us the dominion mandate, uh, when he gives, gives it to Adam and Eve and by implication he gives it to us where he says you guys basically have dominion you have authority over the earth he's not going to come and intervene on our behalf without us asking him but we can take it another step and say you know what i can speak god's word into being because when god spoke the earth came into being in 2 Corinthians 4.13, it says, it is, written, it is written, therefore I have spoken. Since we have that same spirit of faith, we also believe and therefore speak. So we believe it and we speak it and things happen. Psalm 115 verse 16 says, the highest heavens belong to the Lord, but the earth he has given to mankind. He's given it to us. We have authority. We have dominion. One of the ways we exercise our dominion is through declaration and decree, always mixed with faith. I find Eliphaz's, Eliphaz's counsel to Job in Job 22 very interesting. If you go and have a, a read of it, Eliphaz was, he was basically telling Job that he needed to repent, which wasn't entirely correct. But some of the other stuff that he said there was very uh, pertinent. He says in verse 28, 
You will also declare a thing and it will be established for you and light will shine on your ways. You will declare a thing and it will be established for you. I remember in Grahamstown, a word that the Lord gave me, he said, you can have what you say, but you're saying what you have. And I think we do that many times. You can have what you say, but you're saying what you have. What we let out of our mouths as believers with the authority we have, with the Holy Spirit, is so important. We have to really pray and ask God to put a guard over our mouths that we don't let out something that we shouldn't. Jesus, as an example, Jesus in Mark 4 verse 39 Remember, he was crossing the sea with his disciples. There was a massive storm and he was asleep and the disciples thought they were going to drown. And verse 39 says, Jesus got up. He rebuked the wind and said to the waves, quiet, be still. Then the wind died down and it was calm. See, sometimes in our own situations, in our own families, in our own relationships, we actually need to stand up and take authority and declare what we want to see and declare his kingdom into that situation. Not be sitting back depressed. Oh Lord, you know, Lord, I just wish, you know, Lord, we pray for a breakthrough. And he's saying, stand up and declare my kingdom. Stand up. I gave you the authority. It happens when we pray for the sick as well. John G. Lake would find that the most success he would have, he had a lot of success with praying for um, people to get healed, a lot of healings, a lot of the most success they had was when they di spoke directly to the sickness and commanded it to leave. When they weren't asking God to heal because Jesus already healed us when he died for us on the cross. He already healed us. That healing was already bought. We have to exercise our authority and stand up and rebuke it and say, sickness, get off my child. Get off my child in the name of Jesus. And when that, and like Bill Johnson says, when that doesn't experience, where we don't see see the fruition of our prayers lining up with the word of God we don't just sit back and say oh well God is sovereign sometimes he heals and sometimes he doesn't no sickness is not from him he's never our will that is never his will that we are sick we stand up and we declare and if there's a problem it's with us and our prayer or our faith it's not with God God's will is that all are healed and we speak to that sickness and it must leave we never line up our theology with our experience. We line up our theology with the word of God, that our God is good, that he's given us authority. We command that thing to leave and we keep on standing until it goes. We don't just accept anything because we have authority. Jesus got up, he rebuked the wind, he said to the waves, quiet, be still, and it happened. Is there an area in your heart and your life where you need to be standing up, taking authority and declaring certain things? Is it an area in your family, in relationships, where you actually need to stand up and say, thus far and no more, devil? The centurion understood this. Jesus enters Capernaum and a, cent or Capernaum, <laughs> and a centurion came to him asking for him to heal the centurion's servant. Jesus asked the centurion if he should go to his house, but the centurion says something very interesting. Matthew 8. He says, just say the word and my servant will be healed. Wow, just say the word and my servant will be, just say the word, Lord, just say the word. Say the word and my servant will be healed. For I am a man under authority and I say, go to this one and that one and they do. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed. And he said, I haven't found anyone in Israel with such great 
faith. Then he said to the centurion, go and let it be done as, as you believed it would and his servant was healed. See, I wonder if we don't make decrees and declarations because we lack faith. I wonder if we don't make decrees and declarations because we don't understand the authority that God has given us. We understand the authority that he's given us in our situations, in our spheres, in our circles. Let's stand up and in faith we believe, so let's declare it. And if the problem is with unbelief, let's repent. Let's renew our minds so that we can declare and decree. Okay. However, when we declare and decree, remember we must always declare and decree in accordance with God's kingdom agenda. Not in accordance with our kingdom agenda. Jesus, yeah, witchcraft praise. We can't name it, claim it, frame it. Lord, I love that, that, that woman or that man over there. <laughs> I name it, claim that car, that house. No, we can't do that. It's not our kingdom. Jesus said, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. That church, I don't know, that business, I don't know. Okay, thy kingdom, it's in accordance with God's kingdom. Peter and John in the book of Acts, um, they were walking to the temple. The Bible says around 3 p.m. And there was a man lame from birth being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful. And he called out to Peter and John for some money. And I love what Peter says to him. He says, silver and gold I do not have, but what I have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ, rise up and walk. And he did. We can do that. Just declared it. In the name of Jesus Christ, rise up and walk. He had faith for it and it happened. Peter, in his, second in his greeting in the second epistle, he says, Grace and peace be yours in abundance through the knowledge of God and of Jesus Christ our Lord. Grace and peace be yours. Amen. I receive that. Grace and peace be mine. Paul says, to all who are in Rome, who are loved by God and called to be his holy people, grace and peace to you from our God and Father, from the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace and peace to you. What declarations do we need to be making over our lives? Lord, I thank you that I am your favorite. God has all of us are favorites. I thank you that I'm your favorite, that I'm above and not beneath, that I am a glory dispenser, not because of who I am, but because of who you are in me. Lord, I thank you that I speak your very word. Lord, I th I'm thanking, but I'm also declaring. Can you see I'm combining those? So powerful. And my subconscious can hear what I'm saying and it builds me up in my subconscious, but it also does something in the spirit realm. I think something that we need to bear in mind when we wanting to use declarations and decrees in our prayer is another type of prayer, the fourth type of prayer, which is praying the word. Praying the word. Praying the word. This is so powerful. In Ephesians, it says that, I'm skipping ahead here, but it says in Ephesians, if I can find it. Okay, I can't find it. Ephesians 5, it talks about the armor of God and it speaks about how the sword of the spirit is the word of God, which means that in my armor, my spiritual armor, the only offensive weapon that I have is the word of God. That's quite something. The only offensive weapon that I have is the word of God. I think many Christians, their warfare prayer consists of binding and rebuking and binding and rebuking demons. But if I look scripturally, one of the main ways of doing warfare is the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Whether I'm renewing my mind with the word of God, whether I'm using my sword and praying the word of God. 
It's powerful. I remember once my, my kids were learning about the um, armor of God, and one of them was in the in the in the in my bedroom, and he had a sword, like a play sword. And he's saying, "Mom, look at me! Look at me!" Shh. And he, he used a term like it's the the sword of faith. Look at me, mom. Look at me. And he was using it. And I looked at him, and the Holy Spirit just said to me, "That's what many Christians are like. We don't know what our weapons are. He called it a sword of faith or something." But we also just like showing off, shadow boxing, as Bill Johnson says. We shadow box. We bind and we rebuke when there's probably nothing even there and we don't use the word of God. And we shoot out many, many prayers, like machine gun prayers, for an hour, hoping that somewhere in there will hit a target. So they being like a sniper saying, Lord, Give me a scripture that I can attach my faith to. I'm going to declare this. And waiting on God. When snipers, when they wait, they wait for days for their target. But we want to get our prayers out. We want to come into our prayer closet. We've got 20 minutes. Shoot out. Amen. I'm sure somewhere there I hit the the mark. And then we go off to work. Let's be wise with with our weapons. These are weapons. They're weapons of war. In Luke 4, When Jesus was at the height of his warfare with the enemy, he was at the height of his warfare, the enemy appeared to him and tempted him. What was his weapon of choice when he came against the enemy? What did he do? He used the word. Jesus used the word of God at the height of his warfare before his ministry started. Some of us, this is, this is a word for some of us, some of us are in a season of transition. We're about to enter a new season. It's a season of trying. It's a season of trial. It's a season of temptation, possibly. The Lord is saying that we need to get a word from Him. We need to trust Him for a word. Because that will be our weapon of war when the enemy comes against us. Luke 4 verse 4, uh, Luke 4 verse 3, the enemy comes and says, if you are the son of God, do this and this and this. Jesus answered him saying, it is written, man shall not live, and carries on. So Satan comes to him again and says, if you will worship before me, all this will be yours. Jesus says, verse 8, get behind me, it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only you shall serve. Quoting the word from Deuteronomy. Then the enemy brings him to Jerusalem and says, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down from here, for it is written, can you see the enemy is clever? For it is written, he will give his angels charge over you to keep you and in their hands they will bear you up. And Jesus said, it is written or it has been said, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. So the enemy probably knows the word better than many Christians. And he knows how to twist it. So we've got to know the word. If we're going to use it as a weapon of warfare, we have to know it. We can't just proofread something for our own to find something that uh, clarify or, or something that justifies, uh, yeah, justifies what we think. We have to go to the word, understand what it said, what it said in the context, what God was saying, so that you can and I can really take it and use it as a weapon of war. Really, really important. Oh, here we go. Here's the scripture I was looking for. She, Ephesians 6. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with prayer and supplication in the spirit and being watchful with all perseverance and supplication for the saints. Hebrews 4 verse 12, and I love this. It says, for the word of God is living and powerful. The word of God is living and powerful. That means that I can declare the word of God over my life. I can declare it over my children's lives. 
I can declare it over my descendants and long after I'm dead and buried and in my coffin and in the, in the heavens with the Lord Jesus, <laughs> okay? The word will still be alive and active in the heavens. That's why one of the, one of the, one of the days every week we pray for our children and descendants. We pray for our descendants because the word of God is living and active. It's alive. Hebrews 11 verse 3 says, By faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. In your and my life, people, the things which are seen are not made of things which are visible. And one of the things that makes them is the word that we release. It says here, by faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. Our worlds must be framed by the word of God. Not the word of your boss or the word of your enemy or the word of your friend. Our worlds must be framed by the word of God. And we must release those words over our lives. Some examples. Say, for instance, I'm wanting to pray protection over my family. Well, I just go to Psalm 91. Lord, I declare, he who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Lord, may we dwell in your secret place. Lord, I declare that you're our refuge and our fortress. You're our God. We trust in you. So you see, even when I don't know how to pray for protection, I just need to have a scripture. Just go to find a scripture and begin to declare it. Remember, it's alive. It's active. Surely he will deliver you from the snare of the fowler, from perilous pestilence. Lord, I thank you for deliverance from snares and from perilous pestilence. I thank you that under your wings, my, myself, my family will take refuge, that your, treat, your truth will be our shield and buckler. We won't be deceived. Important. Lord, we will not be afraid of the terror by night nor of the arrow that flies by day. We will not be afraid of break-ins at night. We will not be afraid. That is not our portion, etc., etc. You can go through the whole of Psalm 91. Another one that um, my friend over here, Pastor Vim, likes is Psalm 121. I lift up my eyes to the hills from whence comes my help. Lord, it comes from you who made heaven and earth. Can carry on reading Psalm 121. There's so many prayers in Scripture that we can pray that are so powerful. So powerful, they're weapons. The Lord is my keeper. The Lord is the shade at my right hand. Very powerful. If I'm praying for breakthrough, and you'll know that I like to pray this, Lord, I thank you that you go before Pastor Paul and you make every crooked place straight. It's from Isaiah 45. You break in pieces gates of bronze and cut bars of iron. It's from Isaiah 45. It's a scripture where God is giving that as a promise. Remember that God's kingdom is much bigger than just you and I. And so we need to apply this principle to our homes, our businesses, our suburbs, our schools, our nation, our government. Everywhere we can apply this principle. Amen. Okay. The next type of prayer that I'm wanting to look at is the prayer of petition or the prayer of supplication. Prayer of petition, prayer of supplication. This is the prayer that most of us pray most of the time. When we're talking about prayer, this is the prayer that people will think of. And Jesus prayed it in the Lord's Prayer in Matthew 6, 11, Give us this day our daily bread. That's a petitionary prayer. That's, that's a prayer of supplication. In Philippians 4, verse 6 to 7, it says, Be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Can you see all the different types of prayer there? 
By prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God and the peace of God which past understanding will guard your hearts and minds. 1 Timothy 2 verse 1, Therefore I exhort, first of all, that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men. Lots of, he didn't just say, therefore I exhort that you pray for all men. He said, I exhort that supplications, prayers, intercessions, giving of thanks be made for all men. All the different types of prayer there. That word supplication there in the, in the Greek, it means a petition, which is a request, a prayer, a request, a seeking, an asking, an entreating to God or to man. That's in the Greek. An example in the Hebrew of what this means, petition, um, it means Petition, it means request. So petition, supplication, requests, all very similar. The prayer where we ask God, give us this day our daily bread. And I think a really powerful prayer for us to pray regarding this in our lives and our own level of prayers from Zechariah 12 verse 10, where there's a promise and, and it says, I will pour on the house of David, on the inhabitants of Jerusalem, the spirit of grace and supplication. The spirit of grace and supplication. The J Jameson Fawcett and Brown commentary said, Spirit is here, not the spirit produced, but the Holy Spirit producing a gracious disposition and an inclination for supplications. A gracious disposition and an inclination for supplications. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't always feel like praying. And I need this gracious disposition and inclination for supplications. Hey, I want it to be easy, don't you? So we can pray, Lord, we pray that you would give us a spirit of grace and supplication. It means that it becomes easy. It means that we have an inclination. It means that we're carrying, we're enabled by the Holy Spirit to do it. So the prayers that we pray most of the time are prayers of petition and supplication, prayers of asking. Important type of prayer to include. Number six, the prayer of forgiveness. The prayer of forgiveness. Jesus prayed this in Matthew 6 verse 12 and where he said, And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. In Matthew 6, 14 to 15, For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, passes, neither will your heavenly Father forgive you yours. Yes. I think it's important for us to remember that. Jesus connected our vertical relationship with our horizontal relationships. The vertical impacts the horizontal and the horizontal impacts the vertical. I can't have a prayer life which is totally in isolation and excludes everything from happening, uh, excludes everything that, hap that is happening around me in relationship. This and this are both important and they feed into and are important, um, feed into each other. We must purpose and pray to forgive those who have offended us in different ways. Okay, so we can forgive those who have offended us directly we must forgive those who've offended us indirectly, whether they've done something that has offended us or hurt us on purpose or by accident, by commission or omission, in word, in deed, to our face, behind our back. We're commanded by Jesus to forgive. And I, sometimes it's hard to forgive some things that certain people do. And 
when I find myself in that place where I want to pray, but I, I'm feeling the Holy Spirit putting something, putting his finger on something in my heart, it helps me to say, Father, I forgive them for what they did. Not because I think that it's okay, but because you've told me that I need to for my own good. So because I forgive you, it doesn't mean that what you did was okay. It doesn't mean that you don't owe me a debt, you do. But I'm choosing at that moment to say, you know what, I'm releasing you of the debt that you owe me, not because I think that you deserve it, but because I need to do it. We need to have that idea. It's like if I hold offense and unforgiveness in my heart, it's like me taking my husband, say it's against my husband, holding him in a cage in my heart. If you can picture that, somebody, whoever you've been offended by, in your heart, you put them in a prison or in a cage, you slam the door, you close it with a lock. They're in your heart, right? You can see that. There's a hardness that builds up. Then you drink poison to try and kill that person in your heart. The only person that it impacts is... That's what unforgiveness does. It's like drinking poison and hoping that it kills the other person. It only kills you, okay? I am choosing to forgive them, not because what they did was okay, but because you asked me to, and because I need your forgiveness when I sin and do things wrong. Please help me to walk in this forgiveness toward them. The reality is that we are judged with the same measure that we judge. And if I can't release you, then... If I'm looking at you and I'm seeing all of the stuff that you did wrong, someone else is going to be doing the same thing with me because I'm not perfect. We all need grace. So it's important that we release. And it's important for our, for our prayer lives that we're walking in forgiveness. Okay? Luke 23, verse 33 to 35. Jesus says, and when they, it says, where they came to a place called Calvary, there they crucified him. And the criminals, one on the right hand and the other on the left, then Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. I think if anyone had a lot to take up with anyone else, it would be Jesus, right? And the people looking on and the rulers sneered at him and said, He saved others. Let him save himself also if he is truly Christ. But, but Jesus looked on and said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Jesus did it. He requires it of us and he empowers us to do it. When we have a revelation of his grace toward us and his forgiveness toward us, it becomes easier to do that. Shall I cover one more? Cover one more. The prayer of agreement. The prayer of agreement. This is a prayer you pray with another person or other people to petition God. The success of this prayer is based on there being two or more people being in agreement and in faith. This prayer allows you to join faith with someone else when asking God for something or when declaring something or when using another type of prayer and is it releases multiplied power. Jesus in Matthew 18 verse 19 says, Again I say to you that if two of you agree on earth concerning anything that they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. Obviously, the sort of like um, the T's and C's of this uh, promise is that it's in accordance with his kingdom, right? That's the T's and C's. 
For the multiplied power to be available, there must be agreements. You cannot know. I cannot know what you want and what we're praying into unless we agree beforehand, okay? And another thing about the prayer of agreement, if I'm in that corner and you're in that corner and I can't hear what you're praying, we're not praying in agreement. Unless the leader specifically said, this is what we're praying for and made it very clear, and then you go there, and then I go there, and then we pray for the same thing. But generally speaking, for the prayer of agreement to work, I have to hear what you're praying and be in agreement, okay? And if you pray something that I disagree with, that's not the prayer of agreement, even if I nod my head. So we have to agree at a heart level, okay? If someone asks you to pray for something for them, a good question to ask is, well, what do you want? Because as soon as they say that, you can come into agreement with that. But if you just, often if people come up for prayer, I like to ask that, what do you want? Because some people just come up and they say, no, just multivitamin A to Z, just pray. Okay. Which is fine. Yeah, which is fine. But it's more powerful when there's something that you want. You extending your faith for that thing. I'll extend my faith and I'll agree with you. It's more powerful. There's multiplied power released. Leviticus 26 verse 8 says, Five of you shall chase a hundred, and a hundred of you shall put ten thousand to flight. Your enemies shall fall by the sword before you. This is one of the reasons that we like corporate prayer so much, and that, that is another type of prayer we're going to look at next week, corporate prayer. Prayer of agreement, very powerful. This is a powerful weapon within the context of marriages even. We've seen it in our marriage where sometimes my husband and I will be talking about something and we'll just agree, yeah, that's, yeah, that's a great idea, yeah, yeah. And we'll see that we didn't pray it, but we'll see it happen. Because it says in uh, Malachi 3.16, listen to this, then those who feared the Lord talked with each other and the Lord listened and heard. A scroll of remembrance was written in his presence concerning those who feared the Lord and honored his name. See, God hears what we say, even if we're not praying. Now, I'm not saying we don't have to pray, we do. But I'm just saying that this whole thing of agreement, there's a whole spiritual dynamic there that I don't think we fully tapped into as the church. Because I know when we agree on certain things, we can not pray about it and see it happen and I know it's because of the power of agreement in your marriages and your families and your relationships the prayer of agreement it's really important and sometimes when I want to pray something but I don't have faith to pray it on my own it's big I can pray it with my husband get your husband get someone to pray with you in agreement yes we're going to pray and then the faith can rise and and it's powerful I'm going to end I'm going to close there today so can you tell me all the prayers that we've covered today, please? Well, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Praise and worship, yes. Thanksgiving, yes. Declaration, decree, yes. The word of God, yes. Petition and supplication, yes. The prayer of forgiveness, yes. And this last one. The prayer of agreement. So my charge to all of us is this week, even if you think you normally do all of these naturally, can we be cognizant of the different types of prayers that we're using and say, Holy Spirit, show me when to use which one and what you want me to do in my prayer life. As we're going through the last, uh, the, the last sort of seven or eight or nine, depending, <laughs> next week, 
I want you to leave the whole series, the whole prayer series, saying, Lord, these types of prayers, show me where I must put them in. My daily schedule and my, my weekly sort of prayer schedule, show me, should I pray for this on this day, this on this day, this on this day, to make sure that I cover everything. Maybe Monday you want to pray for yourself and your husband. Maybe Tuesday you want to pray for your kids and your descendants. Wednesday, maybe you want to pray for your workplace or your business. Thursday, maybe you want to pray for your destiny. Friday, maybe your friends. You know, when are you going to pray for your family, your extended family? When are you going to pray for the nation and the leaders of the nation? When are you going to pray for the church and God's purposes through the church? If we don't have a schedule like that, we probably will go for months without praying for certain things. So as we finishing up and rounding up this series, I really want to strongly encourage you to look at your, your prayer life and say, okay, let me come up with a strategic sort of like outline of how I'm going to pray. Maybe you want to say, you know what, on Monday, it's going to be my day of Thanksgiving. That's when I bring my sacrifice of Thanksgiving before you, Lord, every week. You know, my, my day of fasting, when I do that, that's what I'm going to do. But take all of these things and come up with your own strategy. Can I charge you to do that? As you go this week, think about the types of prayers that you're praying. Let's not pray like if we don't have to, machine gun pray. If, we, if we're driving or if we're in work and, and we can't think, yes, let's pray in the Spirit and just pray those types of prayers. The Holy Spirit will help us. But let's be listening to God and being strategic in our prayer. I'm going to close in prayer right now. Before